Welcome to the SBK Betting Podcast, Royal Ascot Day 3 Preview. My name is Tom Collins and I'm again joined by Ross Miller. My fortune didn't change on Thursday, I'm afraid, guys. Wallbank second in Norfolk, though he wasn't good enough to win. Um, I thought Post Impressions ran pretty miserable race, to be fair, in the King George as well. It wasn't the best ride and he was very keen early, but didn't pan out. Ross, you were so unlucky with your nap, Deville Legend. I thought he ran a great race to finish second arguably just pipped to the line a little bit further and maybe he'd have got up. What did you reckon? Yeah, I think I, I think he's a progressive horse. I mean, he's stepping up in trip continuously. Um, I think he was beaten by a very good ride. Um, but uh, at 14 to 1, um, I, I'm not going to grumble uh, too much. Aside from Dover Legend, what was your personal highlight on day three? Well, I, I suppose the personal highlight, backing a winner is always good. And uh, so I was pleased to see Kiprioska over the line. But... I think in terms of performance, I was quite taken by Claymore, actually. Um, I think that's a horse that almost certainly can step up into, into Group 2, possibly even Group 1, because he's a new bay. Adam Kirby sort of suggested that he would be better with a bit of ease in the ground. And the way he was galloping on, you'd suggest he might even stay further yet. So uh, I thought that was a really good performance. I don't think there's any fluke about it. Um, I think he's a, a smart horse for a very smart, underrated trainer. Yeah, I thought Claymore was really impressive as well. Unfortunately, the Queen's horse reached for the moon, finished second, but no excuses. Frankie was in the perfect position and the horse just was not good enough. King Max, I thought, ran a good race back in third. The horse you touched on at the start there, Kiprios, well, that was my personal highlight. And the race we're going to talk about now, the Ascot Gold Cup, I loved the race. As a neutral, I didn't have a bet in the race. I tipped Alan Yak at a huge price and I thought he was coming into the race, actually, coming uh, turning for home. He was the one that was travelling best. He didn't stay. But the finish was phenomenal between Kiprios, Mojo Star, who ran a screamer first time up this year. Burning Victory got the perfect saloon passage against the rail, flew home. Stradivarius ran well again as well. What did you make of the Ascot Gold Cup? I thought it was exciting. Um, I, I, I slightly get frustrated at their sort of run at the sort of muddling pace. Um, but I, I think the right horse won, um, trying to look at it sort of um, through, through level glasses. Um, you, ju- you just wonder whether Frankie again is going to look back and wish that he'd perhaps waited two strides before deciding to come wide around because Burning Victory and William Buick had a dream run up the rail and there's no reason why Frankie couldn't have, couldn't have had that route too if he'd have just, just waited. But I think he was probably quite right in that younger horses perhaps just got that little bit more kick in their, in their legs at the, at the back end of two and a half miles. Um, whether he's going to go on and be a Yates, I don't know. But I thought he still looked like a horse that's going to furnish up as well. There's, you know, he's a, a big horse, but quite lean. I think uh, he could strengthen up yet. And uh, it's, it's an exciting change of the garden. Of course, we've got Subjectivist sat in his box at home, uh, licking his lips to have a go next year, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to see Subjectivist take on the likes of Mojo Star and Kiprios. I think Kiprios is a really good horse, but I think he was given a great ride by Ryan Moore. I love the way he flew home towards the line as well. Looked beaten for a couple of strides, I thought, when Mojo Star came alongside under a power pack drive by Ross Orion. But Kiprios fended him off in typical true Yates fashion to win the Ascot Gold Cup. Going from one good ride to a bad ride. And I think this is a section we need to talk about because, you know, in horse racing media, we tend to avoid... Um, slating jockeys or criticising jockeys for mistakes. But I think this one, on such a big stage at Royal Ascot, we have to mention Paul Hannigan on the Riddler in the Norfolk was widest of all, coming with two furlongs to go. The horse ends up nearly the furthest towards the standside rail, carved across the field, nine horse lengths from the right to the left, took out two runners, including Crispy Cat. What did you make of that ride, Ross? Uh, well, we're, we're under instruction to keep, keep these pods brief, TC. So... Uh... I'll, I'll try and be succinct, but um, to, to put it finally, I was disgusted with it, to be honest with you. Um, there's, there's 
a number of things that irritate me about it. A, his sort of flippant comments afterwards that oh, I'll probably get a bit of a holiday. Um, the barefaced lie that he thought he was clear. If, if he thinks he's clear, then he, you know, he shouldn't be having a car license for certain because his spatial awareness is not up to it. Um, and I, I, I'm frustrated at the rules that the horses that were compromised most don't even get a look in. Um, and they talk about this band of brotherhood in the, in the weighing room. I'd be embarrassed and ashamed to go and show my face in there because everyone knows what you've done. You know what you've done. Um, and I'm fearful that it's going to take a big accident to a high profile horse, a high profile jockey before anything gets done about it. And I talk of someone in an unrelated racing, a horse since but unrelated racing broke my neck. Um, and I'm very aware of how quickly life can change. I mean, I was very fortunate as my surgeon put it, I was the toss of a coin away from losing everything from my, my C5 down. Um, and that was an innocuous fall, no one to blame, apart from maybe my inability to sit on a horse. Um, and I had, you know, had to look at life possibly changing. So for Paul Hannigan to, to put his fellow jockeys through that, I think is nothing short disgraceful. 10 days is laughable. Um, the only way they're going to change this is if they disqualify the horse, not demote it, disqualify it. And I guarantee you would change it overnight because jockeys feel that they know where the boundaries are. They can push the boundaries, start chucking a couple of them out and just withdrawing all prize money. You'd get owners getting a bit cross about it instead of coming in and saying, oh, yeah, well done, sneaky 10 days, you know, um, things would change. And I, and I think they need to. I think it's a really poor element to racing. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. I thought it was a poor piece of race riding. He was on the best horse in the Riddler, went taking nothing away from the horse there. I think he would have won the race. I know connections of Crispy Cat thought that horse was coming through, but I thought the Riddler was the best horse um, on the day. It's just a bit stupid. He had his whip in his right hand, didn't bother to change to his left or even, even straighten up the horse. Um, I think we need to talk about that point. 10 days, I completely agree with you. Woeful. And the rules do need to change. Look, fair enough. Jockeys know that they're not going to be thrown out if they, if they ride like that. On the big day, maybe they think, ah, well, stuff it. You know, I want to win this race more than a 10-day ban. We need to change the rules. So that's not the thought process. But anyway, from the ugly to the good and tomorrow's racing, Ross. A brilliant day's race in two group ones, including the Commonwealth Cup, which is one of my favourite races of the year. And I know it's one of yours too. Who do you like in the Commonwealth Cup? I've been keen on perfect power um, since since the guineas, really. Um, perhaps an odd thing to say when he perhaps didn't run as well as you'd have hoped in the guineas, but becoming very clear, he's not a miler. Uh, he's, a, he's a six furlong horse that can perhaps stretch out to the seven furlongs as he did in the green. Um, he was really impressive uh, at this meeting last year, blistering speed. Um, I think he's going to clearly see out the six furlongs well. Um, and I, I, I think he takes all of the beating in this. I think he's comfortably got them covered and I, I actually think he's quite a big price yeah i think it's a very good price as well perfect power saying that i'm on a obviously much bigger anti-post didn't think this was going to be the plan they went to the guineas they obviously realized he wasn't a miler switching back to sprint trips i think it's going to suit him perfectly he was the best british sprinter last year as a two-year-old um, maybe he's just going to show this year that he's still a sprinter and still the best around there's one other horse I like in the race which is eras for richard hannon what did you make of him uh uh, well, I, I got him wrong last time. I, you tipped him up last time, and I, I thought whether he's a bit soft in a finish, and he, and he proved that to be all wrong. He was unlucky last time. He's a big, powerful horse. He's perhaps going to improve the racing. Um, I'm hoping that uh, perfect power will be too strong for him at the back end um, with that sort of proven seven furlong stamina. But yeah, I can, I can, I can see the appeal, and he is a nice-looking, flashy horse, so I can see why uh, he's tugged at your heartstrings, TC. Yeah, you certainly won't miss Eraz in the run. He's a beautiful chestnut in the Shadwell Silks. Now onto the second group one, which is the Coronation Stakes. 
race has been a little bit tarnished by the fact that 1000 irish 1000 guineas winner homeless songs isn't coming across due to the ground which is fair enough that this this horse needs a little bit of give underfoot that means that inspiral is going to go off favorite or at least open favorite ross what do you make of inspiral and if you don't like her who do you prefer so inspiral i can i can see the form line um i just can't be back in a horse that's had such a checkered prep into this season you know she's had problem after problem and what i don't like is that first of all they suggested that she might make the guineas you know she had a little hold up and then literally 24 hours later it was no she's she's not going to make the guineas then hasn't made the irish guineas which would have presumably been another option so it's clearly not sort of a stone bruise or a, you know anything mild she's clearly had a few issues um this is a big level to come back at yes she probably holds the the, the, be the best piece of two-year-old form in the race um and on that form uh cache who would be my selection probably shouldn't beat her but I think Cache is clearly going to handle the ground as she showed at, at, at Dalmar when fourth in the in the Phillies Juvenile on the turf. Um, I think this seven and a bit furlong trip on a stiff Ascot trip is a stiff Ascot track is perhaps ideal for her. Um, I think she'll be ridden forcefully, and and I just think with a, a nice toe into the season that she's had, you know, she's run solidly both starts this year. Um, I, I think she's a, a big price against a horse that we just don't know enough about. Yeah, I'll be taking on Inspiral as well. I think she is vulnerable for the reasons you mentioned. First time up this season, missed a couple of engagements. She was a brilliant two-year-old, but we just don't know whether she's going to make into a brilliant three-year-old. Saying that, I would love to see her win because we do need that superstar in this division. I can see the case for Cache too. She's a solid option in this race. She's the 110 horse. We know she's going to run to that mark. And she is kind of a form bearer. She has form within Spiral and my selection, one of the US runners, Pizza Bianca, just underestimating the market around 16 to 1. I think she's a big player. She beat Cache in the Breeders' Cup last year and finished second to Wild Beauty prior to that at Woodbine. Wild Beauty this year for Godolphin has won the Fred Darling. So the form stacks up. She's not your typical US runner. You won't see her blazing out in front. She'll be held up and she'll come with that late kick and hopefully pick up the pieces for at least a place. But maybe she's a win play. She isn't my Napple next best. I don't know whether Cache is your Napa next best. I don't think so, Ross. Who are your Napa next bests on Friday? So I'm, I'm sticking with the two-year-olds and I've rattled the bar a couple of times this week, um, but I really like Morge uh, in the Albany. I think she was really taking on debut. She jumped out the stalls, got bumped and bustled and, and, and knocked around and didn't turn her hair, which for the two-year-old fillies, I really like. Uh, she travelled very sweetly for Ray Dawson. He pulled her to the rail at Newmarket and she absolutely took off and powered through the line. I was really taken by her. I was surprised that she wasn't wasn't uh, anti-post favourite for this. Um, she's just moved into favourite now. I, I, I think she's got outstanding credentials. I think she's a really smart filly for side Pinsura. Then the next best comes in the 610, uh, Bond Chairman. He was a luckless fourth uh, at this meeting last year in the Norfolk, uh, in the Windsor Castle, and uh, didn't get the best ride from Graham Lee. He then sort of went over the top and, and his temperament started to get the better of me, sort of running his race far too early and getting very keen in the early start uh, passage of the race. He's been gelded since, hasn't run since the back end of last year, off a mark of 93. Now, in the Windsor Castle, he was between two horses, uh, 111 rated uh, Armour and the 99 rated Booney. 93, I think, is a decent mark. He'll like this quick ground. He'll come home strongly. And if his uh, uh, gelding operation has sorted him out temperament-wise, I think he's a big price at 20 to 1. Yeah, Morge is 11 to 4 with SPK. As you say, Bond Chairman 20 to 1 with SPK. Friday's a big day for me. Unfortunately, Statuette's not running in the Albany. So, well, maybe that's a good thing based on what we've seen so far this week with my selections. But uh, she doesn't feature in my nap or next best. The nap, however, is the nap of the week, which is Ottoman Fleet, who runs in the King Edward VII at 535. 
as I say, I love this horse. Um, this has not been a good race for Aidan O'Brien. He's won from 14 in the last 10 years. Five short price favourites been beaten, four of them odds on. He has the favourite in this year's edition as well in changing of the guard, who finished fifth in the derby. I much prefer Ottoman Fleet. I think he was supremely impressive last time. Stumbled at the start at Newmarket. Horses struggled to come back and win after that. He raced against the, the favoured rail. Fair enough. He still managed to beat Zane Surinder, who also raced with that bias in his favour. I thought it was a monster performance. I think he's a 115 horse, and I think that's perfectly good enough to beat the likes of changing off the guard in the 535. My next best comes in the Sandringham. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that. Uh, it's the five o'clock. This is a horse called Fresh Hope. She's eight to one with SBK, trained by Charlie Fellows, won two of the last three editions of this race, ridden by Hayley Turner, won two of the last three editions of this race. The perfect type of horse for the Sandringham. Would love the big field, the fast gallop. She should, should be two from two this year. She just got found out by the mile and two fell on trip on her comeback, where she was third behind Rogue Millennium. She subsequently went on to win the SBK Oaks trial at Lingfield. I think this is the perfect spot and she looks well handicapped. And that brings us to the end of episode four of the Royal Ascot mini series. Only one episode to go and that will be tomorrow night. Make sure you, you watch that. And if you're watching this one, please like, comment and subscribe. We do really appreciate it. Also should mention the SBK offer. If you haven't got it so far, I don't know what you're doing. You've heard it three times. But the SBK offer is for new customers. Deposit £10 and you get £30 in free bets. T's and C's do apply, so make sure you read those. Until tomorrow, Ross, best of luck. Hopefully we get a couple of winners on the Friday. Let's hope so, TC. Ty is surely going to turn for you. You've uh, rattled the crossbar <laughs> with some big prices this week. And uh, tomorrow will be the day. Yeah, fingers crossed. I really am hoping it is the day. And best of luck to everyone out there watching as well. Hopefully you have a really good Friday and have had a great week so far. Please tune in to watch tomorrow's episode and we'll see you then.